Welcome to the Serve Conscious Podcast, where people and companies can learn the inner game of service and tap into the fullest power of the service opportunity. So join me and let's master the service mindset together and up-level service the world over. And I encourage you to check out my partner, the Institute for Organizational Mindfulness, which is on a mission to help people and companies to incorporate mindfulness into their culture and raise performance, efficiency, general happiness, and everything that we want from going to work. So link is in the show notes for you to go deeper into that as well as the mindful service movement. All right, let's get started. All right. Last week, we learned about the service mindset, what it is, and you might have been asking yourself those questions of, okay, am I this kind of person? Or could I be this kind of person if you don't feel like it right now, if you don't maybe feel like you have this drive to serve, if you don't feel like you get a lot of gratification out of service, and you don't quite know how to connect with it? Is it learnable? Is actually loving it learnable? And the answer is, of course it is. We learned last week that everything is learnable. And actually, mindset, one of the features of mindset, is one that understands this and believes in their capacity to learn and grow. And... In service, that is no different. We might think, okay, well, I don't naturally love service. I'm naturally quite self-absorbed. <laughs> Therefore, helping others doesn't bring me much joy. Well, maybe you just have the wrong platform on which to channel your desires to serve. So you can start asking yourself the right questions to actually find the right outlets for service. And it can get really, really reductive. Like, you can be like, okay, well, I don't really want to, like, help other people. Okay, like, what do you want to actually do then? Well, I just want to, like, make art. You want to make art and burn it? Well, no, I want to make art and want other people to see it. What do you want them to experience when they see it? Well, I want them to experience these emotions. Oh, so that's literally how you want to serve someone. You want to, like, create a connection there. Isn't that service? Or how about this? How about you don't even want anyone to see your art? You just want to make art. Okay, so how do you want to serve yourself then as an artist? Service is all about the channeling of energy. So if you don't find yourself filled with delight and energy and inspiration every time you offer tech support or get someone some more sugar for their coffee, then don't worry about simply like shaping that experience into something that you love. Telling yourself, I got to love this somehow. Stefan told me that it's deeply gratifying. I've got to figure this out. No, start with where you love putting energy because that's service at its core. Where is energy going beyond your ego? And that can mean to yourself, just the part of you that isn't egotistical, that isn't worried about defending its self-image and whoever it thinks it is. It's the part of you that really needs nourishment. That's how you serve yourself. So those parts of you, 
you can start there and then you can move on to other people. And then once you have more familiarity as to the kinds of change and influence that you want to bring to yourself or others, then you can explore how the essence of that can be experienced in any situation. Not just the very few situations where you think this is possible, right? So let's look at some possibilities today because today is about how to cultivate the service mindset. And you might be thinking, okay, maybe you're somehow going to teach me some techniques to brainwash myself into loving getting coffee for people. No, that's not how it works. But what can happen is when you really know the kind of value you want to bring to the world, then you can find ways of smuggling that into moments that are smaller and more trivial, like getting someone coffee. And that'll make the exchange meaningful. There's nothing meaningful, innately meaningful, in the act of getting someone a cup of coffee. It's the effect. It is what else is transferred in that process. And that doesn't mean that every single experience of getting someone coffee is going to be glittering with this potential, but there's going to be a lot more opportunity to have an experience that's at least not like totally dead. At least not an experience where you just wish you were doing something else. Slowly you can bring more aliveness to your experiences through the right practices, through the right understanding of yourself. And that is how you build towards service meaning more to you and service ultimately being something you feel like you're better at as a result. And it doesn't happen overnight. It didn't happen for me overnight. It was years and years and years of really struggling with it. Uh, fortunately, I discovered ways of shortening that path. That's what anyone teaching something seeks to do, saying, okay, you could bumble around with this for really long, or you can take the express train. Even if you don't consider yourself a good learner, you can learn how to learn. There's really nothing that's intelligence-driven here. And actually, a lot of really, really unbelievably complex skills are mastered by people with average and sometimes below intelligence. For example, some of the leading physicists and actually some of the most celebrated scientists of all time in the field of physics, which is considered an area reserved for the geniuses of geniuses, people with huge brains that are predisposed to amazing capacity for intellectual or technical thinking, often they have average IQs. Same with chess masters. They had very average IQs. Chess is normally considered something that is reserved for very, very intellectual thinkers. And often, actually, people with lower IQs did even better. The only difference is they were committed to the learning process and they were committed to improving their learning process throughout. I'm telling you this to invite you away from any more temptations you might have to think to yourself, I'm not this kind of person. Because that kind of thinking is just a story. It actually doesn't play out in terms of how we operate. And 
If you're listening to this, then you want a more meaningful service life for yourself or your team. So you already really have the only prerequisite that I think is required, and that is the desire to learn. And with practice, everything else just comes together. And if you are incorporating more mindfulness into your life, if you're using tools that give you greater awareness, greater mental flexibility, all of those things are natural fertilizers for learning. And me, as I continue to age, <laughs> we don't have to get into details, but I am certainly no spring chicken anymore. Um, but I am now learning and educating myself and absorbing and retaining and changing faster than I ever have because I have ramped up my meditation and mindfulness regimen to support that. I'm giving my mind the right practices to continue to clear out and find order and integrate everything that I'm taking in, and it makes me capable of learning. That is one of my favorite side effects of meditation as far as the you know, raw benefits of using this human vessel, right? Meditation and mindfulness, by the way. So practices where you come at the challenges of life with the right state of mind. There are uh, plenty of how-tos and mindfulness 101s and guided meditations throughout the podcast and on the serveconscious.com website. So I definitely recommend checking out all of those free resources. So what else can we do in addition to that now that we're upgrading our hardware so well? How do we, I guess you can say, continue to... Now let's build some muscle, right? Let's build some machine muscle. I don't know. That, that analogy wasn't consistent. I apologize. <laughs> so I think a really good place to start in terms of gathering the right service mindset would be to look at people that are successful. Let me add to that. Not just at winning the life game as our society would at least measure it, right? People that have become very wealthy or very famous or just generally celebrated by large amounts of people, right? There's lots of people you can look at and try to isolate their habits. There are plenty of people that make careers out of just studying successful people, distilling what they do, and hopefully giving you a template to map onto your life, right? Well, I think that can always be valuable. There are highly successful people that I observe and experiment with the tools they're using. However, I think it's just as valuable and probably important as a balancing agent to what I just described to look at people that have found fulfillment in a humble position in life. Who is happy not succeeding? Not who's just happy sitting around doing nothing. Who's happy having a meaningful life that isn't measurable by the standard socioeconomic success standards that our culture tends to measure things by, right? So I've told the story before about Baisao, right? He was the great tea master of Japan many hundreds of years ago. He left the monastery and he just kind of went out on his own humbly serving tea, living almost in poverty, right? He was kind of like a tea monk, 
essentially. Now, I'm not saying live the monk lifestyle, but when you're around a monk who doesn't have much, he just has his robes, his rice bowl, his couple of books, belongings, and a small room, and an uncomfortable mat to sleep on, and they're completely and utterly fulfilled, I would ask them, what is it about life that's giving them so much juice? They don't feel like they're lacking, and you do. What's going on there? What is this gap? Well, you can ponder this bizarre mystery of being happy with nothing, but how about what is giving them happiness? What's giving them value? Because that's what's happened in their life. It's not like nothing makes them happy, so they've just kind of abandoned all of it. It's actually they've focused their energy around the few things that do give them happiness and nothing else gets in the way, right? So just being kind to people, just helping people. They could be service-oriented people. They could be helping the poor They could just be meditating. They could just be feeding the birds and gardening. Well, what is it? Because you can do the same thing in your life. It doesn't mean strip it down to nothing, but it just means observe the things that bring you the most happiness and imagine what life is like if just those experiences were what your day consisted of. And with service... You can look at particularly relational things. So what experiences with others bring you the happiness, right? How do you want to assist people? What kinds of feelings are you hoping to participate in? I always hesitate to say make people feel because you can never make people feel. But what can you just kind of show up and offer? And perhaps this result will occur. Perhaps it won't. Non-attachment to result is always important. But really isolating this requires another step here. So if you're not sure what actually brings you joy as far as service goes, joy that doesn't involve the ego, by the way, that doesn't involve people thinking you're awesome or getting promotions or getting raises or getting big tips or wherever it is you work and you get like rewarded for crushing it, That's not what I'm talking about here. And I'm also not talking about making high levels of impact because that's another thing that the ego can hijack and say, yay, this is proof that I'm so much superior to everyone else, right? What in the moment makes you feel like warm inside? So I would encourage you to find ways of serving that do not give you any egoic payoff in your community. So maybe that involves offering your time charitably to an organization of some sort. Maybe that involves helping a neighbor or a friend. Or what if it involves just setting an intention to only say kind things to people that day, everyone you interact with? From cashiers, if you're in a situation where you can go outside, or people on the phone, or just anyone you might interact with. If you just say something kind and assist them in feeling good rather than make them feel good. So you can experiment here. You can be a lab rat. And in doing so, you will experience the aspects of service that are fulfilling 
that you're doing not because you feel you have to, not because it's your professional obligation, not because you think you're going to get something in return, but just doing it feels good. Like you're just voluntarily doing this and it feels good. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this, but this experiment has been done where they took really, really busy people and they had them go and spend like an hour a week volunteering somewhere for some charity. And in doing so, they actually felt better about everything. They felt like they had more time, which is really interesting. They felt like their job was more meaningful. Everything improved in their lives because they spent one hour serving voluntarily each week. It's funny the phenomenon of time, too, how that changed. We don't feel like we have time for things when we are packing our schedule full of things that we don't really want to do. You know, we're just kind of feeling obligated to it. And maybe we have that relationship with our entire job. Morning to night, it's filled with obligation rather than things we voluntarily are doing, which is actually ultimately the reality, right? So once you just bring a bit of volunteer effort into your day, all of a sudden, it's like there's just space opens up. And perhaps a switch goes off where you realize that everything can feel voluntary because everything is. And you could have that relationship to everything that you do, even if it's something that's kind of tough, even if it's something that you might prefer not to do. And there's plenty of moments where we would certainly take sitting on a beach over doing that thing. But what if you could be in the state of mind that says, I'm choosing to do this because this means something to the path that I'm on. And it means something to others. And I've done the work that allows me to see the value in helping others and naturally find fulfillment in that, not just because it's virtuous and Stefan keeps saying how good it is to do that. Stefan doesn't know my life. <laughs> You're right. I do not. That's why you have to discover this for yourself through practice like this. Find out what voluntarily brings you joy and fulfillment. And when you start doing this, then you can start realizing where these threads are running through your daily obligations. Can you show up for people in your job in a similar way and bring them a similar amount of care amidst all the other commitments you have to help them in some technical way? So by doing this, you're weaving more depth of experience, more depth of connection into a job you might have been doing for like 20 years and you're super bored of it. I don't know a lot of people that do service jobs for 20 years. Um, I hope that changes. <laughs> I like the idea of job stability. I like the idea of people continually mastering what they're doing over the course of 20 years. I like the idea of companies you want to work for for 20 years <laughs> because they're just a wonderful family to be part of. Not as common these days, but sure, keep doing that for 20 years and find new ways of bringing depth of experience to that job. But going outside of that format is really helpful. So that's why I say volunteering is valuable for anybody. I recommend that to anybody. And if you are a leader or a business owner, then I recommend having a program that invites people to do that, but you know, makes it optional, right? 
forced volunteer work is a hilarious oxymoron. <laughs> so beginning to do this will reveal biases that you have, and it's really valuable to collect knowledge of these biases for developing the service mindset. Because the service mindset aims towards unconditional service, as in you're going to show up for people with the same readiness and the same level of respect and dignity towards them regardless of who they are or even how they're behaving. Obviously to a limit, but they don't disqualify themselves from kindness from you simply from not acting how you want them to, right? So I started noticing this when I started bringing mindfulness to the work I do. And also when I started bringing service outside of work, I started thinking, okay, why do these kinds of people get service from me that is positive and enthusiastic and these don't? And why am I really, really kind and friendly and charming to the people that I like serving at the job I do, but I'm not to the person delivering my packages? Why don't they get good service from me? Why don't members of my family or my spouse get that same level of service from me? When you begin to look at and take stock of the conditions you put on kindness and helpfulness, then you can begin to unpack the obstacles you put in front of yourself serving. And the service mindset is about removing those obstacles to continually be able to serve and grow from serving and learn how to serve better. Because if you just shut off the possibilities of serving certain people because they don't count, they don't qualify, then you don't have opportunities to grow and learn there, do you? So start observing the conditions you're placing on things. And a lot of this boils down to, well, actually everything, including the growth mindset, boils down to the beginner's mind. Do you have the beginner's mind or are you letting all of your assumptions of what you know of what you think people are, filtering your experience, blocking your ability to connect with them. Or maybe you've got defenses up from all of your past negative experiences. How much can you begin to observe those and let them go and just have an open, ready presence when you're serving? And that's really fundamentally all you need to really serve and to learn more about service. It's not about collecting more knowledge or information. Do that as whatever requirements your job places on you to do that and do that well and do that as much as it helps people. But not knowing is just as valuable for service. Unknowing, unassuming, unbiasing is really powerful. This isn't like playing dumb, by the way. This isn't like practiced stupidity here. It's wise. It's a wise, ready fascination with the world because you know how much there is to potentially learn. And you know the possibility of novelty. New experiences is there if you bring the right state to it. And you say no to your chirping mind telling you that there's nothing new here and there's nothing to pay attention to and there's nothing to learn. That's not going to give you much. And that's cheating yourself 
out of a rich experience. And it's cheating you out of learning potential. So if you're practicing meditation, then you are naturally setting the stage for more beginner's mind being brought to your work. And also, mindfulness is a way of nudging yourself back into that mode bit by bit. So just continue to notice and come back to presence every time that you find yourself talking yourself out of having a fresh, open experience of the service moment. And I would again refer you back to the mindfulness practices throughout this podcast to help you cultivate that. And there's also an episode on beginner's mind, which I think would be a good complement to this one as well. I'll leave some links in the show notes. All right. Thank you so much. Check out the website, www.serveconscious.com for more free content. Get on that mailing list, get the Service Superpower mini course and access to the Service Superpower workshops, which we are doing monthly. There is one coming up really soon, actually. So get on board for that. All right. Thank you so much. You have a great day. Ciao.